The following podcast is audio from the YouTube series, The Number Two Show. If you like what you're hearing with your earballs, you should see it with your eyeballs. Visit the Points YouTube to watch. There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Oh, don't look so surprised. You face scarier things in here, like being home alone and realizing you're out of teepee and having to do the mud-butt zombie walk all the way to the linen closet. Today, we're diving into the murky waters of horror films, the genre that has trained us to fear shower curtains, camping trips, and for some reason, small children. But let's break it down by decade, shall we? Because like a good scare, context matters on the number two show. What's up, you Rafe heads? I'm Rafe Williams, and this is the number two show. We are the sequel that nobody asked for, but everybody secretly wanted, much like Sharknado 2. Terrifying, unnecessary, yet oddly captivating. Today we're on a nightmarish journey through the decades of horror films. We're talking about the kind of movies that make you regret the decision to install that bidet because now it's clearly a water demon waiting to attack your bunghole. I still check every time for these little bastards before I post up. Look, I love all types of horror, but there's no way we can cover it all. From the direct-to-video horror era of the 1980s, movies were so bad they couldn't even get to the cinema. These films were like the spam of horror, canned, barely palatable, and available at your local blockbuster. Or B-movies from Peter Jackson's pre-Lord of the Rings career. Or J-horror wave with films like Ringu and Juan from Japan. They made even mundane things like VHS tapes and real estate terrifying. Yes, before Zillow, the scariest thing about buying a home was ancient malevolent spirits. Now it's adjustable rate mortgages on an overpriced bungalow with an unfinished basement. The audacity to ask 250 k for that. I have a special soft spot for movies that don't even try to be good. A movie where the greatest horror is the pun of the title. For example, Ginger Dead Man. Evil never tasted so good. The Ginger Dead Man is a 2005 American slasher film starring Gary Busey as the titular Ginger Dead Man, and I'm not making this up. He's created from a mix of gingerbread spice and the ashes of deceased serial killer Millard Findelmeyer, who terrorizes a small-town bakery. Ha <laughs> ha! I'm Gary Busey. I mean Millard Findelmeyer, and I'm going to terrorize your bakery. Ha ha! Run, run as fast as you can. You can't catch Gary. He's a gingerbread man. <laughs> I'm very private. Stop me, that last bagel. Hey, Bob, turn away. Don't look at me. Start over. Pretend like I'm your ex-girlfriend at a mutual friend's wedding reception. All right. You can say what you want, but you cannot talk about Gary Busey in the way that you have, or else you will die at the hands of the gingerbread man. So follow me through the glory hole as we discuss horror movies through the decades. <laughs> 60s. Let's start by diving into the bone-chilling world of the 1960s horror films and their nightmarish impact on culture, or should I say, their impact on this nightmare that we refer to as culture. Let's begin with the shower-stalling, mother-loving classic, Psycho. Norman Bates. 
The man who single-handedly made it impossible for me to take a leak without staring at the shower curtain like it owes me goddamn money. Now, Psycho wasn't just a horror movie either. It was a cultural turning point. Before Psycho, no one had seen a toilet flush on screen. Can you believe it? That's right. Bathrooms were basically Narnia before this film. A mythical place you heard about but never saw. Then there was Night of the Living Dead, a film that not only birthed the modern zombie genre that's wildly overdone, but also gave us an African-American hero during the civil rights era. It was progressive and horrifying, like finding out your libertarian uncle actually has a well-thought-out opinion on climate change. And let's not forget Rosemary's Baby, which made everyone skeptical of their neighbors and forced husbands to be on the defensive for months. Oh, that classic tale of romantic gaslighting and satanic impregnation. It made you wonder, if your neighbors aren't part of a satanic cult, then why do they keep inviting you over for weird potlucks? Deviled eggs and hellfire chili, Bob? What the fuck are you hiding? Next time you complain that your man forgot your anniversary, well, hey, at least he didn't sign away your womb to be Isabel. But these films did more than just scare us. They acted as societal barometers, measuring the anxieties of the era, whether it was the dread of nuclear annihilation or societal unrest. They're like the weather apps of cultural dread, only instead of telling you it's going to rain, they suggest that your seemingly perfect suburban life might actually be a demonic hellscape. So the next time you jump at a jump scare or a cringe at gratuitous gore, remember the 1960s, the decade that turned horror into a mirror for our darkest fears and gave us classics that are still copied, parodied, and above all, feared to this very day. 70s. Then came the 70s with classics like The Exorcist, where we learned that children are not just financially draining, but can also be literally possessed by the devil. Bell bottoms were in, disco was alive, and if you went swimming off the coast of Amity Island, you were frickin' shark bait. The decade also gave us Halloween. Michael Myers was terrifying. No, not that Michael Myers, but let's be honest, the true horror of that movie was Laurie Strode's friend's inability to follow basic safety advice. Don't go into the creepy house alone, they said. And what did they do? Went to the creepy house alone. These films were more than just mere scares. They reflected the anxieties of their times. Jaws encapsulated fears about nature's revenge on mankind. The Exorcist represented a spiritual crisis in Halloween. That spoke to the suburban fears of the unknown lurking in their safe spaces. These films were like a funhouse mirror held up to society, making everyone look monstrous. And not just because they were wearing polyester. The next time you pop in a horror classic from the 70s, remember you're not just watching a film, you're engaging with a cultural artifact that still has something to say about today's world. Whether it's don't go in the water or perhaps don't invite demons into your living room via Ouija board. 1990s. 1980s horror films, or as I like to call them, Reaganomics Unintended Consequences, the decade that made neon leg warmers a fashion statement and Freddy Krueger a household name. Let's face it, if your kids are more scared of a man with knives for fingers than they are of global warming, well, you have the 80s to thank for that. Now, why were we so enamored with these films? Was it the delightful blend of campy special effects and, dare I say, inspired acting? No. It was because the 80s were a time of excess, and nothing says excess like a hellspawn demon chasing teenagers. 80s horror films were nuanced socio-political commentaries. A Nightmare on Elm Street was clearly a Reagan-era PSA on the importance of staying awake in history class, man. Especially if your history includes a senile B-list actor as your president. And let's not forget the Friday the 13th series, which taught us the teenager should abstain from, well, everything. You know you're in the 80s when Jason Voorhees becomes the ultimate sex ed teacher. The 80s horror genre was the epitome of American values, resourcefulness, bravery, and the ability to run in high heels without falling over. 
So the next time you're downing a tab and getting cozy with the VHS of Poltergeist, remember you're not just being entertained. You're absorbing a cultural artifact that defined a generation, terrified babysitters, and made an entire nation check under their beds before sleeping for that little creepy-ass clown doll. I still look every night. For the record, I still do. 90s. In the 90s, we got self-aware horror like Scream, which was like if a horror movie took a film studies course and then could not stop talking about it. The only decade where we could see Drew Barrymore terrorized more by a phone call than the picket lines. Something today's teens will never understand because they don't answer phone calls. They're too busy ruining the economy by eating avocado toast, according to every article I read. Candyman dealt with urban legends in a time of urban decay. The faculty tapped into fears of authority figures being aliens, mostly because teachers forbade pogs and slap bracelets, the foundations of any respectable society. And let's be real, the decade did wonders for the psychological thriller. There was Seven, a film that showed even a cardboard box could be terrifying. What's in the box? <laughs> a lesson Amazon still hasn't learned, and Silence of the Lambs taught us to never help a stranger move a couch into a van. Thank you, Anthony Hopkins. I'll never eat a fava bean again. But it's not just the scares. These films were a mirror reflecting society's fears, fears like the dread of teenage angst in the faculty and the existential terror of, well, just existing in the Matrix. In the end, 90s horror films took us on a ride of visceral terror and cultural introspection, an achievement not even grunge music could claim. So here's to the 90s. You terrified us, you educated us, and most importantly, you gave us a socially acceptable reason to scream in public, and that, in the 90s, was pretty much all we had. The 2000s, turn of the century. The 2000s decided, you know what's scarier than being chased by a serial killer? Bad cinematography and thus found footage horror was born. Remember, you didn't know whether to be more scared of the witch and Blair Witch or motion sickness. But let's not forget this was the decade that gave us Saw, a franchise so gruesome it made root canals look like a day at the spa. That film did for hacksaws what Psycho did for showers, a complete goddamn PR disaster. The Ring was another game changer. After that movie, we all thought twice about watching mysterious videotapes we found in our dad's closet labeled fishing videos. 70s porn. And let's be honest, it's really just solidified our transition into Blu-ray. Blows taught us to be skeptical of technology between killer videotapes and zombie apocalypses caused by viruses. This was the decade where we realized, you know what? Maybe tech isn't our friend. And if you didn't, Mark Zuckerberg has definitely driven that point home by now. But what about 28 days later, the fast zombie era? Because apparently Walking Dead wasn't terrifying enough. We need Usain Bolt zombies. It was the first movie that made you realize cardio is not just for losing weight, it's also for evading flesh-eating sprinters in the hellscape of the apocalypse. So what does all this teach us about the aughts? That we should live every day as if we're in a horror movie? Be wary of jigsaw puzzles, avoid grainy videos? For heaven's sake, get on a treadmill because the zombies have been training. Tens. The decade when horror films went from what was that noise to what exactly is the socio-political implication of that noise? Look at Jordan Peele's movie, Get Out, a movie that made even liberals in the audience question whether inviting their one black friend over for dinner was just a setup for a brain transplant. Talk about a party foul. Sorry, Leon. And then there was A Quiet Place, a movie that told us the real monster was noise pollution, finally something to justify my lifelong hatred of leaf blowers. And don't even get me started on it. I know it was a remake, but now every time I see a kid with a red balloon, I'm not sure if it's their birthday or their funeral. 
I haven't been this scared of clowns since Ronald McDonald tried to convince me that the McRib was made of actual meat while he tickled my butthole at my cousin's birthday party. He'll never look at a McDonald's play place the same again. But really what these movies truly reflect is our innate fear of the world around us, whether it's society, family, or even just making a noise. It's as if the filmmakers looked at the headlines and thought, you know what? This needs more demons. So here's to the 2010s horror films for teaching us the reality is scary, but imagination is downright terrifying. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to go silently scream into a pillow while contemplating the socio-political implications of my own goddamn existence. I do tip my hat to filmmakers for taking our real fears and selling them back to us at 25 a ticket, plus the cost of popcorn and a half-assed therapist. Now, modern horror films, they're like the veganism of cinema. Morally superior, socially aware, and let's be honest, kind of fucking annoying. But here's the thing, horror films have now turned into think pieces, and I don't like to go to the movies and go thinky. When I buy a ticket to a horror flick, I want cheap scares, cheaper beer, and the cheapest moral compass imaginable. In this modern era of endless scrolling, we have streaming horror anthologies. Shows like Black Mirror make us terrified of, well, everything. Your phone, your TV, your government, and even your exercise bike. Thanks a lot, Black Mirror, for making cardio on my Peloton even more dreadful. So what does the future hold for horror? Virtual reality horror, TikTok jump scares, or maybe a horror movie about trying to unsubscribe from all your streaming services? Truly chilling stuff. We live through a pandemic, yet horror movies are thriving. It's like eating a ghost pepper while you're already on fire. You shouldn't, but here we are. Take The Invisible Man, for example, a story about a woman who can't convince people she's being stalked by her invisible ex. Basically, it's gaslighting with special effects. And then there's Host, a horror film entirely set on Zoom. As if Zoom meetings didn't suck enough. The real terror is when someone says, you're muted. We're doing a corporate comedy show. I don't recommend it. Seriously, it's 2023. The only thing scarier than the monsters in these films is that some people still don't know how to mute themselves in a virtual meeting. But the genre has gone beyond just scares. Movies like Midsummer explore trauma, grief, and the realization that maybe your boyfriend isn't just emotionally unavailable, but also potential cult fodder. Let's be honest, horror movies today continue to make us all a bit paranoid. Today's if I hear a floor creak, I'm not just wondering if it's a ghost, I'm also pondering the socio-political ramification of that ghost's existence. The horror films of this era haven't just terrified us, they've made us think, which is just as well because frankly the world's so goddamn absurd right now that even H.P. Lovecraft would be like, whoa, tone it down, Earth! What was that? I know that noise. That means it's time for the wrap-up. So why do we love horror movies? Is it the adrenaline or is it the catharsis? Or are we just sick, twisted pieces of shit who enjoy watching people make terrible life choices? I think we should split up. Oh, really? Split up? You deserve to die, Chad. You deserve to die. In all seriousness, though, horror movies are an important cultural touchstone. They reflect our deepest fears. They challenge our perceptions of good and evil. And occasionally... They serve as a 90-minute PSA on why you should always, always lock your doors. That's our show. Thank you so much for watching. See you next week. And remember, if you hear something go bump in the night, it's probably just the collapsing infrastructure of the modern society or somebody laying a hard turd. 
still clinging to the edge of your toilet seat, smash that like button like it owes you money. Be sure to like and subscribe. Leave your favorite horror flicks by decade in the comments. Let me know what an idiot I am and what I missed. And for God's sake, if you hear a noise, don't go in the basement. This is the number two show. See you next time. <laughs>